Welcome to episode 74 of Uncontained. I'm your host, Aaron Static Render, and I'm excited about this episode. I had a really good interview with comedian Maggie Mayfield. She's also a producer at KOST 1035 in LA, and she also co hosts a podcast called Why Tunes Shuffle. Yes, they take a look at what songs inspire entertainers and uh, dive deep into them talk about what that song means to them really cool concept and uh i think you'll enjoy that podcast as well so after you get done listening to this one make sure you look up y tune shuffle that's a letter y then tunes shuffle and check it out but we get into some uh, good things like how finding her kind of weird people helped her get into improv comedy at an early age and how how important curiosity is and how important it is to stay curious in your pursuit, whatever career you're in, but especially a creative career. So Maggie Mayfield on the podcast today, please support the show by sharing it with a friend, getting to iTunes or the pod player of your choice, and uh, leaving a rating, review, subscribing, and of course, once again, sharing. And if you find yourself on the World Wide Web surfing around and uh, come across uncontainedpod.com, please click on the Amazon banner at the top of the page if you have some Amazon shopping to do and help support the show that way as well. Got a really great episode for you coming up with Maggie Mayfield right here on Uncontained. Maggie, how are you doing today? Awesome. I mean, it's hot, but it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How are you? I, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you for uh, coming back and talking to me. Uh, just to let the listeners in a little, uh, little inside thing. I recorded an interview with uh, Maggie probably about a month ago, but uh, whenever you're creating something in the entertainment industry, you're bound to have some hangups or technical difficulties, and the interview... Well, it only recorded my side of the conversation, so um, thank At you. At least it was the interesting side, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It was just me, like, talking to myself the whole time. So how, how do you do this? So how, how do you feel about this? And no answers. So... So it might have been more of like a Zen podcast where you throw the answer out there or the question uh-huh. out there and wait for the universe to answer the question. But uh, yeah, I, I prefer actually having somebody else recorded on the other side. <laughs> you know, my parents always used to say, you can talk to yourself as long as you don't answer yourself. You're doing OK. But the problem is sometimes I do answer myself. Well, yeah, your parents might not approve of. of my form of self-thought. I think out loud. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang up now. <laughs> you, you should. I'll just continue the conversation um, <laughs> talking to myself. So, yeah, you know, it's it's all fun and games until... Yeah. It's, I think the problem is is when you can talk out loud and ask yourself questions, but if uh-huh. you hear the answer in your head, then then you might have problems. That, exactly. That's how I feel better about myself anyway. Okay. <laughs> that's how I sleep at night. <laughs> Okay, I'll give it to you. All right, thanks. So, Maggie, let's talk about your stand-up comedy. How long have you been doing stand-up comedy? Um, It'll be three years this fall. So, stand-up comedy, I haven't been doing that long, but improv comedy, I've been doing since I was, like, 15 years old. Um, I started in high school doing something called comedy sports, and it was just kind of an extension of the drama program that um, I was a part of in high school. And I learned pretty quickly because I moved around a lot as a kid. So I learned really quickly that theater people were my were my type of weird. And that when you were funny, people tended to, you know, latch on quicker and become your friend quicker. So um, that's how I made friends was just committing to being the best weirdo I could be. And comedy sports was definitely that outlet. It is important to find the right kind of weird that matches yours. Like, if you're, <laughs> right? like, theater weird and you're going in, like, you end up hanging out with a weird kid that like burns ants weird. with a magnifying glass, it yeah. might not match up. That's but, not the right kind of weird. Yeah. Get in with the right kind of weird. That's uh, good advice <laughs> yeah. right there. <laughs> so, okay, you started out with improv. And how did you make the... 
how did you make the transition to stand-up comedy? And do you notice like a huge difference in the two of them? Yes. Uh, there is a huge difference to answer your question. Improv, you, at first I thought improv would be like a lot easier than stand-up because there's a team of you. And if you fail, then everyone fails, but you work so hard to make everyone else look good. So you don't look bad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it was a very much like a team effort. You're like, I'm not up there by myself. However, so that was what kept me in improv for so long, but I've always been fascinated with stand-up. And when I transitioned into stand-up after having done it for, I'd say like eight or nine months, I was like, this is way easier because if I suck, like it's all on me. And so that drove me to write better, to, to study more, to learn more, to, to go up more, to get more practice. And, um, I like that it's, that it's all on me because I can't pass the torch of blame if there's a bad set or a bad show um that's all on me and so it just drives me to do better and to work harder um the reason I got into stand-up was um I had been working in radio my whole career and when I went through a divorce I discovered that radio did not allow me enough time to say the things I wanted to say (laughs) and when you're in improv you don't get a choice they tell you what you're going to talk about so okay um I was like, yeah, I am smart, and I got observations, and I did my first open mic, I want to say, maybe three months after I separated from my ex-husband. Okay, and that had to be liberating, at least in some form. Yeah, it was nice to finally like just put my baggage on the table and try and do it in a funny way, and I, I actually remember my very first open mic, I didn't tell anyone I was doing it. I didn't want any of my friends to come. I didn't want anyone to know because it was still so personal. Um, but I wanted to tell these stories and I just felt like I needed to get it out. And if I sucked at it, then no one saw. And I was like, oh, then we can erase it. But I didn't suck at it and people didn't hate it. And they were like, yeah, I should come back and try again. And I was like, I should? Okay, I will. I did. And it became the best form of, I think, comedy saved me <laughs> from right going into this weird, dark hole of drinking and dating (laughs) (laughs) some people some people do say comedy is like therapy and you know even if it's not therapy it's like a release yes yeah so i can see where that comes and like you didn't tell anybody about your first open mic you didn't want them to like come see you or just wanted to perform in front of strangers to see if you could do it well i yeah i didn't tell anyone because here's what i heard i heard someone because I had had been talking about trying it for the first time there was a um I I actually got really angry because there was a festival that came through the town I was living in Champaign Illinois and I did a lot of work in radio and marketing and helping promote this festival it was five days nine shows and I think there were like two or three females that came through and I was angry I was very mad I was like where are the women at and so that was kind of the catalyst I'd been talking about trying it and after that that particular incident, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. But I didn't want to tell anyone because I had heard that when your friends come, everyone knows you and they think that you're funny and they're going to support you and cheer for you. And I was like, I just want to get that out of the way. Like, I don't, I don't want, I don't want anyone to come and know that I'm there and like build me up and that I'm actually terrible. So I just (laughs) wanted to find out right away if I sucked at it and I didn't suck. I mean, I wasn't great, but I didn't suck. And, uh, they didn't boo. Nobody booed. There was no <laughs> tomatoes, no french fries in my hair at the end of the night. So it was fine. Right on. My first open mic was like totally different than a lot of people's. I was working at the radio station for a while before I went and did stand up as well uh, in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And uh-huh. I was hanging out at this one bar and there was a comedian that performed there. And uh, his name was Don Trenagel. I actually have had him on the show. And after his stand-up, they broke out the karaoke and stuff like that. And I started doing like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Christopher Walken impersonations because I actually hate karaoke. But uh, he heard that and thought it was funny. And then I started talking to him. I said I wanted to do an open mic night or wanted to do a try stand-up comedy. He's like, well, I'm actually doing a show in like a month. If you want on it, let me know. So my first stand-up experience was a show in front of about two to 300 people. Wow. Like I took a lot, I jacked a lot of my stuff that I used on the radio station, but said it how I wanted to say it and not how the FCC made me say it. 
You yeah. know, kind of like <laughs> yeah. I didn't have yep. to worry about a big like hundred thousand dollar fine. I don't make didn't make Howard Stern money, but yeah, my first my first stand up gig was promoted on radio. Wow. Uh, I was like, come check out Static Live, uh, doing stand-up with Don Trenagle or Donzilla, Don Trenagle type thing, yeah. you know? And oh, my God. So, what a trip. And it actually went really well for the first time. I watched the video of it. It's a little painful because I'm pacing back and forth the whole time. But uh-huh. it's like the jokes landed, and it was in a question of, like, am I – I wasn't scared of being on stage. It was like, is the stuff I say on the radio funny or not? I'll find out. <laughs> right. That's so true. Because you don't get any response on air. And you know that as an on-air personality. Yep. yep. Unless they call in. Right. <laughs> right. That's so funny. What a great story. And then I'm sure after that, you went to your first open mic and you're like, why isn't anyone paying attention to me? <laughs> <laughs> I know, like, hey, what's good? You guys are supposed to be sitting down watching the show, right? Yeah. yeah so, yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it was a little bit different, but uh, it was it was a good first experience. And you got like, the bug. I, yeah, I did like did like five minutes or something like that, a little over five minutes. And, uh, you know, it went pretty well. Good. So. Yeah. I haven't been on stage for a while, though, because I've been focusing on this podcast. But um, that's my excuse for the moment anyway. Eventually, I want to get back on stage. Yes. But this, this episode is about you and oh. not me. Oh, okay. Okay. So <laughs> It's hard. Um, you know, we're like dueling radio personalities. We're like, who's going to interview who? <laughs> I know. Uh, I got some questions for you. Hey, uh, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we have to do it in the cheesy radio voice, too. Like the oh, one that neither that of us that probably gonna, use like, on laugh there. the whole time. Like I have nothing to say. I'm just gonna laugh. <laughs> That's my role like, as the chick in the radio. Oh, like the chick on the morning show. Yeah, yeah so, <laughs> I, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. God, static, you're hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> All right, so okay, you we've talked about your stand up. Now you have you are on air personality and a podcast host. Your podcast is a really cool concept. Thank I you. like it. Uh, y tune shuffle. Yeah. On iTunes. And uh, I don't know. When I talked, you said you were working on getting it on Stitcher. Did you ever get it on Stitcher? Um, They have like the super complicated process. So it took a couple weeks for it to um, for them to get back to me. And then I have to like manually upload all this stuff. So we're just waiting for the for the word to come back that. Yay, it's a go. But we are on iTunes on the iHeartRadio app. We are on Podbean. We also just got accepted to this um, network in the UK called radio.net. And so, yeah, it's picking up a lot of speed and we've been getting some national press as of late being on other podcasts, like the majority report with Sam Cedar. And um, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been super great. So awesome. Awesome. So the concept of the show, let's get into that. You have comedians on right now and you talk about their Top five songs, is that correct? How that influences them throughout the life and why they listen to that? Is that it? Or you can clarify if I butchered that. No, you're great. So Why Tune Shuffle is a show where, yes, right now we're focusing on comedians because the internet seems to be obsessed with comedy. Um, So that's how we're marketing it. But we've had directors and content creators and um, all sorts of different types, radio personalities on the show as well, that come on and share their music. And we call it their fave five. And we go through songs that are the soundtrack to your life. So when you heard that Beatles album for the first time, who does it make you think of? Or where were you the first time? And that's how we inform the interview. So it's just a more in-depth way to get to know some of your favorite comedians and Hollywood types. And it's the information that you're not going to get when you're on The Letterman Show or Fallon Show talking about the new thing that you're promoting. So it's just a more relaxed, chill way to get to know the people that are making the cool stuff that you love. Now, is it their favorite five songs of all times, or is it just songs that kind of stick with them? It could could it be a song like, dude, this song came on every time that I was at the dentist, or every time this yes. one, like after a breakup or something like that, this song came in and just drilled into my head, and I couldn't get rid of it, and that's why it's on my list. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, it could be any of those things. So. Um, it's just easier to hashtag Fave 5 than it is to say, like, uh, inspirational song. You know what I mean? So um, the Fave yeah. 5 is just your the five songs that they come in with ready to talk about, you know, 
who introduced them to the song, or maybe it was the soundtrack to the summer of love for you, or maybe it's the song that your dad would sing to your mom or, you know, I mean, whatever songs can be the soundtrack to so many important moments or nuggets in our life. And music is not only therapeutic, but it is connecting. It's a universal language that I think we forget that we all speak it sometimes. So it's kind of fun. It's really fun to have guests come in and, a, not only get the musical education of a lifetime, but B, hear these incredible stories. What's the most surprising uh, song that somebody's broke out so far? Anything that just like, wow, I did not expect that song. Man. Um, yeah, there's been a, there's been several. There's been a guest on uh, a particular favorite episode of mine was with a gentleman named Chad Ridgely, and he's a former police officer from Washington, D.C., who caught the acting bug really early in his career, but wound up to get deeper into a role, wound up going on a ride-along where he hung out with a cop for a night uh, and fell in love with the idea of being a cop. So he went to school and did all that and wound up in the force for like 10 years, something insane like that. Um, And then when he was like, well, okay, that was a fun run. Uh, I'm done done working uh, in the police force. And then came out here to Hollywood to you know, continue pursuing acting and stand up and has done national touring headlining gigs and has is now working on his second feature length film. He's got trailers out now. But he brought this song on. Oh my God, it killed me. It was so funny. But he brought this song on, originally written and produced called I can't even remember how it's called, but it's like uh hot lesbian hot redheads, brunettes <laughs> and blondes or something like that. Like smoking drinking and i don't know but it was just like the craziest parody comedy song i'd ever heard about lesbians drinking and smoking and doing whatever i was like all right man like that's a thing that (laughs) came out of your brain like uh, (laughs) cool so it's a song that he actually wrote yes so funny chad ridgely (laughs) very talented very funny all right check him out i'll have to go listen to that song sounds like it'd be entertaining yeah but, <laughs> and what's um, actually like particularly funny is that like i've seen him and another friend of mine billy bats perform that song in karaoke and they'll get up there and just own it it's like what world are we living in um but it's so funny and people they just get the crowd going it's really fun it's a lot of fun but it's all up on youtube i mean it's not hard to find okay so just google it and you should be able to find it mm-hmm. uh, what are the names of the people again Chad Ridgely or Billy Bats with a Z. Uh, all right. So if you want to hear a song about lesbians smoking and stuff like that, that's a parody. <laughs> go go Google that right there. So doing this podcast, um, what has been some of your biggest challenges as far as getting it out to people or finding guests or like what has been one of the hardest things about the podcast? Keeping it legal. Um, You know, people think it's so easy to just get online and create content. Um, And it is. If you can think it and you can write it, you can make it. You know, there are a plethora of people anywhere at the touch of a fingertip to help you create whatever it is that you want to make. But what I think a lot of times we forget is that there is a business side to everything that you want to create. And so... Remember, I'm so blessed to be working with my co-host, David Earl Waterman. I call him affectionately Hollywood secret weapon because not only does he know everyone in this town and came up with the likes of people like Janine Garofalo, Mark Marin, uh, Louis C.K., David Cross, um, which we joke about a lot in the show that he just name drops them. But he's very close with them and, and came up in his comedy career more of as an improviser, but really got to watch them from the ground up work as stand up comedians. And Um, he just has that insane business sense and was the first to say like, we need to go register this show and make sure that it's in the books as our show and that it's our content exclusively licensed to us. And so he's been really good about that and making sure that we research and streaming content, streaming online podcasts with music is extremely tricky and extremely difficult. And so just the research that we have to do to make sure that it stays legal and that the FCC isn't going to come down on us and that artists are going to get angry that, you know, essentially what we're doing is quoting the song. So you're not going to listen to the show and hear the entire three and a half minute version of the song. You're going to get just a, 
a quick little clip of it like you would see a quote from a book or a quote from, okay. you know, like a newspaper would quote a person. So that's that has been the most surprising journey. And the rules change all the time. So that's where it becomes tricky in, in post-production is making sure that um, we keep it legal. Because I don't, I don't want any knocks on our door saying, like, you're not giving us money for whatever you're making. It's like, well, we're not really making any money right now. We're just doing this cool thing. Um, yeah. Because it fills our souls. So, um, yeah, I was going to ask you, how do you go about, cause how do you go about playing the songs on the air? You kind of answered that a little bit in that last question, Yeah. but, uh, is there for somebody who wants to create a podcast that maybe talks about music and wants to be able to sample some music on there, what are some of the guidelines that you could throw out that may help somebody create something? Yeah. If, um, if you, if you don't need it, don't use it. If you can just talk about it, um, just talk about it. Cause no one's going to get mad at you for talking about, you know, ACDC or kiss or, you know, whatever your favorite Britney Spears song is. No one's going to get mad at that. It's when you start playing the music that it becomes tricky. And for us, a large part of the experience is hearing that song, even if it is just the few, the first few bars of the, the song, or if it is just the hook of the song, um, because the experiences, when you hear it, you're instantly transported back into a place where a, you either heard it for the first time or it reminds you of someone, or you're just, you're having this visceral connection with the guest that's in the studio. If you absolutely need to be playing music, licensed music, that's part of ASCAP, um, which is like the licensing, like you can pay for all that stuff. It's ridiculously expensive and then no one will get mad at you. But then you're also only limited to artists that are on that roster. So if you sign up for ASCAP and uh, stuff like that, you can't play like independent artists that are like unsigned and stuff. You can only play people who are, it's kind of like a union in a way. Kind of, yeah. But they're not like individual record labels. It's not like saying we can only play stuff from Time Warner or we can only play something from Capitol Records. It's not like that because all of those labels, this is just, they've all agreed like, yes, we're going to be on the ASCAP list, which is like. I think what 99.9% of all terrestrial radio stations use to play music. Yeah. Um, that's how they get the licensing. So they just pay that and then they get to play it as often as they want. Um, and then those record labels will add their music to that roster and to that lineup, um, which is why you hear issues with like Prince's music and Michael Jackson owning the rights to the Beatles music, uh, which is why you don't hear a lot of that stuff. Um, or you won't find it on YouTube. Same thing, streaming online. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so the what I found, legally is okay, if, is what we do is is essentially quote the music. So there's only like a certain amount of time you're allowed to play the song before you're streaming it and someone can take it um, and download it as their own. So I think at first, when we first started, it was like half of the song. And now, and then it was like, 60 seconds and now it's like 90 seconds again the rules keep changing so you continually have to keep looking and researching and it really all it is is just the strokes of a few keys on into google search and you'll get all the information that you would ever need but you have to take the time and really read it to make sure you're up to date on what's going on so yeah yeah but we can't play the whole song can't do that all right i know in like radio like if you're like actually talking over a song or a song's playing in the background or whatever too you don't have to worry about anything like that is that same in podcasts too so like if like use something as like a talk bed yeah um the trick is though is like you can't use commercial music to sell products so that's why you know during campaign season artists get so angry when they use these songs because a, maybe like Katy Perry isn't associated with the Clinton campaign or Foo Fighters aren't associated with the Trump campaign. Um, and they get so angry when these people use their music to sell their idea, to sell their campaign. Same thing with like Campbell's, you know, you can't, they can't just use a song without paying for the rights to that song. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and so it's the same thing, and it gets tricky when you get into smaller... I'm, God, I could talk about radio forever. We, it gets the same when you get into smaller market radio, and you're producing a lot of these commercials for these you know, small restaurants or small shops that want to buy airtime, and they get so excited, and they're like, yeah, I want to hear Stairway to Heaven. And you're like, I can't legally do that for you. <laughs> um, 
I can find a song that sounds kind right. of like it. But, and so then radio stations um, will pay for these production libraries that get sent to them and then start sounding outdated because they're never updated. <laughs> but there are wonderful websites <laughs> online called Creative Commons where you can download music and as long as you credit the artist, they'll allow you to use the music that they've created in any way that you'd like. Now, there are some artists that are like, yeah, I mean, you can use it. I want a small fee for it. But um, yeah, you can find some really incredible stuff. In fact, the intro and outro of our podcast was found on Creative Commons. So, Okay, so Creative Commons, is that just creativecommons.com? Because I've been looking for a good place to find, and I'm sure a lot of other people who have like podcasts or are creating things look for a good yeah. place to find affordable music that you can use that you know doesn't cost like you don't have to buy the whole catalog or something right so you just have to give credit to yeah those guys. either in print or on air um and and it'll go through like you can uh when you find a track that you like you just contact the artist and say hey this is what i this is my intent for use and um and they're really good about getting back to you and whatever it is that you need and want um what was I going to say? But here's the thing, too. Everyone's got a friend in a band, you know. Uh, ask your that friends. That is true. They'll be more than happy to play their music for you. And the bigger and bigger you get, the bigger and the more exposure they get. So it's a win-win situation for you. So, you know, there's a reason that Adam Sandler hires the same people in all of his movies, you know, because they were the ones that helped him before he got big. And so now this is his, this is what yeah. So the bigger he gets, the bigger all of his friends get. And, um. They just keep making cool stuff. So that's why you see these small clicks like in Judd Apatow's films and TV shows that he continues to hire the same people. And that's how it starts. Hire your friends. Make them do it. <laughs> exactly. And like when one's hired, exactly. you're all hired pretty much exactly. type thing. So um, I've always kind of kept my eye on that format anyway or that style of uh, like a adam sandler style using like all the same people as you were saying i've kind of been like yeah yeah that that's a good formula yeah because right you've there. grown up together and, and you, you trust each other and you get each other's style of talking listening creating working um producing it's a lot it's a lot to learn about another human and when you find humans that you just mesh with well you don't ever want to let them go. <laughs> you know, they're few and far between. And yeah. the good ones work hard to keep them, man. <laughs> you know? I hear you. I hear you. So, um, let's see. You, we've talked about your uh, stand-up, your uh, podcast. Kind of talked a little bit about the business end of radio. But I just heard that uh, when we were talking beforehand, you actually got on in an additional market being an on-air personality. I am. So I work for a company called iHeartMedia. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Uh, Basically, I, that was Clear Channel, correct? It was Clear Channel, and then it got bought okay. out. <laughs> um, so iHeartMedia does a lot of wonderful, amazing things digitally and in terrestrial radio. And I got hired to be a producer for an afternoon show in Los Angeles called Coast 103.5, which has been the hugest blessing in my life. Just one of the greatest joys, the coolest jobs I've ever had. Um, and having worked here for over a year now, um, people are starting to pick up that my resume includes over 14 years of radio experience, including <laughs> on air in everyday part, um, producing commercials, working in the promotions department, and even programming a radio station. And so you stick somewhere long enough and they're like, hey kid, you're talented. You think you can do this? And I sent in a new demo and the station, I got hired at a station in Dallas. They heard a demo that I put together in like an hour and they were like, we love it. When can you start? This weekend? Perfect. And so everything just kind of went crazy from there and it's vacation season. And so I think this was the first week that I've been off the air in Dallas since I started in the beginning of June. So. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. So, and you, for people who don't know how that works to be in LA and uh, That's a have great a show question. in Dallas. Um, <laughs> me working in radio, I know, but I I want I want you to answer it. Yeah. How, how does that work? So I work for a station in Dallas called uh, Star 102.1, and it's also an iHeartRadio affiliate. And so what happens is I'll sit here in Los Angeles and pull up 
all of the the logs, the music log, the commercial log, and I'll stare at it and I'll say, how am I going to put together a show? And I do what's called voice tracking. So I'm pre-recording the show that um, they'll air in Dallas at an appropriate time. So like Saturdays, I'm on from 7 to midnight. And then Sundays, I'm on from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. So I just come in uh, whenever I have time before the show is supposed to air in Dallas and pre-record the show um, from Los Angeles. And through the magic of internet and wires and buttons, it all gets sent over to them. And they just they just transmit my show. The it's magic awesome. of wires and buttons. I know. Yes, the magic. I don't know of wires if we can. Can we swear on this podcast? Yes, you can. I couldn't okay. call it uncontained if I was like, no, you can't swear. <laughs> That's why they call it <laughs> FM radio, man, because it's fucking magic. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I I always thought it stood for frequency modulated, but I I could be wrong. No, <laughs> you were misinformed. <laughs> you took the wrong radio, radio class. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Shit. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, voice tracking is kind of a cool thing, but it's also kind of a bad thing in the same same I, way. I know. Like, it's, like, it's very convenient and allows you to be on air somewhere else, but it also allows the uh, radio station to pay you for the time it took to record the show, opposed to the time it takes to be live on air. So, you know, yes. everybody's it's, um, trying to save pennies. Yeah, it's an, int- well, again, it's business. It's, yeah. you know, it's an entertainment business for a reason. And it's awesome for me because now I have exposure in two markets, which is going to be super cool for my stand-up career. Um, but it's oh, yeah. also devastating for locals in Dallas that want to get their shot. You know, like I've, I've taken someone's shot, which feels awful. Um, but, you know, I've been on that end too. And there are ways, I promise. The internet is amazing. And if you aren't creating for the sake of creating something, then you can continue to sit around and whine about how you don't have any opportunities. So you got to go out and make them. They aren't just handed to you. Yeah. So what would you say would be a nowadays, what would you say would be a good way for somebody to try to get into a radio? Um, there are little things called internet radio stations. I don't know if you heard of this, <laughs> but like dash radio, radio.net. They're always looking for content. And actually, I was just thinking about this this week. Like, where is radio going? Because I'm not sure that it's sustainable the way it is with what's called seven-minute stop sets. These are commercial breaks where we stop the music for seven minutes to play commercials. Um, I don't know if that kind of programming is going to last. And I was like, what would radio look like? Is it going to transform into audible television where, you know, you get these programs that Yes, you can download on the internet as well, but if you're stuck in traffic on the 101 freeway in Los Angeles, you know, for an hour, um, you know that your favorite radio drama is going to be on 103.5. So you tune in um, and get these like soap operas. Or is it going to stay that? I don't, I have no idea. So it's, um, it's got to grow and it's got to change because I don't think the way it is now is completely, yeah, isn't for I've... the long haul, but. I think radio is slightly out of touch in a way because you can't go and break new artists anymore on the radio. Everything no. comes through the record labels and push to you the same regurgitated, you know, stuff. That's part of the reason why I started doing a podcast as yeah. well. So, um, but you know, I think if radio wants to be more relevant in a way, and continue to grow, I think they might have to go smaller instead of the bigger companies and so go back more towards the grassroots and push, like, break new music. Because it used to be exciting to listen to, it, like, the radio and be like, okay, here's this artist that you haven't heard of, but I think, it, and the DJ thinks is great and is able to put that on air. Yeah. And nowadays, it's like, at least when I was on air, I had little to no control over what I played. Yeah. There's this... um there's so much interesting research about that. And I mean, if you know anything about sociology, they like to break us up into, you know, Gen X, Gen Y, millennials, et cetera, and really dive into what we're into. And what we're finding is that millennials aren't attached to music the same way that Gen Xers are, the baby boomers are. They don't, they don't get excited about concerts the same way that our parents did. Um, and there is this like really small group of people they're calling exennials. If you're born between 77 and 83, so I'm a very young 
Exenio, where they were brought up in an analog age, um, but, you know, made the transition into the digital age kind of flawlessly. So we remember a time when you would go outside and play. Yeah. But we also grew up in a time where we were forced to make our reports and our papers on the computer. We had to turn in typed reports. So we had to, we're, we're a very special generation. So we have the cynicism of the Gen Xers and the optimism of the millennials. And so <laughs> this is like a really interesting group of people that I think may make or break the future of, of radio content. So okay. um, I think you're absolutely right. We need to go smaller. Stop thinking so big in order to get bigger and get back to what was good about radio, it will have to get smaller. I think we've gotten too big for our own good. Yeah, that's how I feel anyway, you know? I think it's proven time and time again, too. Like, online, like, people are obsessed with indie content right now. That's all we, you know, we want to we wanna root for the little guy. And so people are going to YouTube to find their favorite new artists. And we're going to podcasts to find our favorite new hosts and shows and ideas. And we're kind of rejecting this idea as a society that, like, these huge money-making movies are what is good content. Um, and so, yeah, I maybe we're just romanticizing the past. Maybe, but. maybe. It, I just learned today that I'm an exennial. Uh, oh, I didn't even know yes. that. I, I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. But I learned something today. Thank you, there Maggie. You of course. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Yes, yes, educating the world on uh, <laughs> demographics and generations. I'm just obsessed so. with radio and making cool things. That's not a bad obsession. That's not a bad obsession. It could be voodoo dolls and, you know, back to that other kind of weird of burning ants with magnifying glasses. I mean, it could be that too, uh, but I'm not going to, like, jump on a soapbox and tell you about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough. That That's for your own private personal time. <laughs> So, um, what advice do you have for people looking to get started out? It could be in uh, stand-up or podcasting. We also already kind of covered uh, the radio uh, with the internet radio stations. But do you have any other advice for people looking to create something or take their career to the next level? Yeah, there is this old Hollywood adage that people say <laughs> that Hollywood is full of old ideas they just regenerate them right like there's nothing new coming yeah. out of hollywood and i think that's true for everything nothing is really new however if it's all been done before do it your way you know um the static way is going to be very much different than the maggie mayfield way and neither of those ways are wrong and we should continue to do them in that way we get so focused on oh, well, that's already been done before. It's not original. Well, nothing is really original, is it? But that shouldn't stop you from doing something because maybe the Maggie Mayfield way isn't the right way or the best way to get whatever it is done or made. Maybe the static way is, or maybe it's whoever. Um, so don't let what other people tell you or say to you inhibit you from trying because your way might be the most awesome way and we just haven't discovered it yet so so kind of the frank sinatra rule of creation do it my way yes exactly nice i, I like that yeah. i like that that's that's good advice right there Thanks. um so do it your way take something maybe recycle and put your own personal spin on it because right. uh, you know it's like with music there's only so many possible variations that you can play a chord mm -hmm. or play different chords together but it's that feeling and the timing in it that kind of make your it story. individual absolutely like slash could play one one riff and uh, Randy Rhodes could play the exact same riff, but have it sound completely different. Exactly. There's a, um, that's why we are obsessed with cover songs, isn't it? You know, there's a Nirvana song that Amy Lee covers from Evanescence, and it's probably my favorite version of that song. Okay. All right. Yeah. And like cover songs are tricky sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like in a way it's like, there's some where it's like, okay, they really captured the way that the original band did it, 
And if you're going for that, you have to be like dead on. But then there's also the take it and make it yours, the Frank Sinatra rule of uh, covering songs, right. as I'm going to refer to it for the rest of the show. Yeah. Uh, do it your way. And, uh, you know, that can be just as interesting, if not more interesting. Right. Like you know? when Johnny Cash took the song Hurt from Nine Inch Nails. Brilliant. He so good. totally made that his Absolutely. own. Absolutely. I wouldn't have expected somebody to actually take that song and maybe even improve on it. Right. But uh, after seeing that song live by Nine Inch Nails, I really was like, oh, we did that song? Yeah. Uh, then I heard it, and I was like, you can hear, like, the pain in his voice Absolutely. like he lived that song. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And so. he made it real to him. Yeah. Absolutely. And it told the story in a whole new way, I think. So. Yeah. I, Which didn't lessen Trent Reznor's version, I don't think, at all. Not at all. See, that's what I mean. Yeah. Do it your own way. That'll be great. Exactly. Exactly. So um, what would you say is a highlight of your career so far? Not necessarily the highlight, but just something really cool, because I'm sure you have a lot of cool things going on. But uh, what would be a highlight for you? A highlight? Um, oh, man. I got to meet Val Kilmer earlier this year, and that was super cool. Val... What an unbelievable human being. Not only does he have just a, a long history in Hollywood making movies and just making cool shit, um, but it never stopped him from continuing. He, like, he continues to write, and he just did a documentary, and he's got a play and uh, a movie that just came out, and he came in to talk about it, but he's been battling this throat cancer forever. So he speaks oh, really? with this insane lisp, and it's a little hard to understand him, but it hasn't stopped him from acting like Val. And I can remember kind of dancing down the hallway here at the iHeart Studios in Los Angeles with him. And we were playing Mission Impossible. We were like <laughs> holding our finger guns <laughs> up and like just kind of crawling down the wall. It was so fun. I was like, you're just a normal dude that people know. And, uh, and he continues, even through the struggle of this cancer, to make awesome stuff and live life and have fun. So it was, it was a highlight in the sense that I learned a lot about just stay true to yourself. Keep making awesome stuff, no matter how old you get or whatever people tell you. Just keep going. Hell yeah. I That is awesome. I love when you actually get to meet somebody that you may have looked up to or at least have seen a lot of in the media. Uh -huh. And they actually turn out to be a really cool person. Yeah. And like an actual, like real person. Yeah. And instead of like with their I'm head in the clouds or whatever. I'm here to promote my movie. Yeah. 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 That type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> That that is really cool. I'm glad to hear Val Kilmer is a cool guy. Yeah. I was actually just talking about him at work the other day with one of my coworkers about like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang uh -huh. and some other movies that he's done. And it's funny that it just came up today. So yeah. that's interesting. The universe so, is sending you a sign, my friend. It is. I need to go hang out with Val Kilmer. You do. Hook me up, Maggie. Hook me up. Well <laughs> You know I have a You got card. the connection. Yeah, yeah, you got his home and cell number. Yeah, yeah. As if anybody has a home number anymore. I don't know. So that's a really cool highlight. Um, what do you do to promote yourself or your podcast or stand-up or any of the above? Do you do anything specific to promote yourself? Um, yeah, I. you know what's <laughs> – besides social media, is that what you're talking about? <laughs> Kind of, yeah. Of, if, or if you have a specific way that you use social media, instead of just not necessarily, hey, I'm here on Facebook, but if you have like a special way on social media that you use it and they find very effective, that'd be great. Or if you have like a way that most people might not think of to promote yourself yeah. that you use. I'll tell you, one of the most important things I learned came from a woman named Melanie Vesey, who starred in the movie Man in the Mirror with... Um, Jim Carrey, and she has built this wonderful legacy, uh, producing shows, the comedy store, but she's built this wonderful company called PR Rescue, Promotional Rescue, um, where she teaches okay. indie artists, like comedians, musicians, painters, stuff like that, how to properly promote their work. Because it's so hard, we get stuck in these bubbles where we're not supposed to brag about how awesome we are, how proud we are of the, the stuff that we're making, when in fact, 
we should be proud. We should be our biggest advocate. And the biggest thing I took away from her lectures and from her seminars was that, especially online and social media, you have to be consistent. And you can't just post that you're at a show the day of the show, right? Like people need time to plan. Okay. Um, so giving yourself a little bit of time and then being consistent, right? Like you can't just do one show and that was it, one opportunity. Give people a con- didn't come. yeah. Give people a consistent reason to come and see you, right? Like, oh, they're doing this all the time. This is awesome. Like, okay, I missed her on Tuesday, but I can definitely make it on Friday, right? Like, oh man, life stuff happened on Friday. Cool. Like, I definitely want to come see because she's still she's still doing it, and it's it's awesome. Um, and it takes a long time. Um, I've been in LA for a year and a half now, and it, I can't even say, even just this week, I'm starting to see the return of the fruits of my labor. Um, there are people that are starting to show up at every single one of my shows, which has been unbelievably cool and so humbling. And it just makes me want to be better, you know? Um, yeah. Because now people are starting to spend time and energy and effort into coming to see me perform live, which is so cool. Rather than just clicking on a dial and like, there she is, I'm in the car, you know? Or like, oh, there's her YouTube video. Like, I can do this easily whenever I want. So... Um, time and consistency has been the magic. Yeah. Perfect. And, uh, when people do come out yeah. to see you do stand up or listen to your podcast, uh, what do you want them to remember or take away from your performance? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, stay curious, my friends. This life is so short and it's so beautiful. And I mean, what a gift that we have to be here every day and we miss so much of it because we're on our phone all the time or we're taking pictures of something that you know someone else you know can take for us take a moment and and stay curious and really look around you who's in the car next to you did they just pick their nose that's amazing <laughs> you know like <laughs> um, <laughs> i was just i literally just i literally just had this thought yesterday i was sitting in traffic and i was so angry trying to get down to a show that was about an hour and away. And I looked over to my left and there were these beautiful San Gabriel mountains. Just the sun was setting just perfectly in the shadows that were painted onto the, the crest and the ridges of the mountains. I was like, man, thank God we have traffic. Otherwise, I would have just flown right by this and missed it. You know, it just felt like a perfect gift for me. And I got to enjoy it. God, it was so hot, but it was so beautiful. And, you know, I think we take for granted that stuff. So just stay curious and, and open your, your big, beautiful eyes and hopefully your heart will open a little bit too. And we get to just accept and enjoy these gifts that were given to us. So that sounds so cheesy, but I, you know, I really believe that. You know, it may sound cheesy, but, but it is in my mind, really good, uh, a really good concept to take away something, um, you know, if you stop being curious and stop learning new things, in my mind, that's when you're done growing. Yeah. That's when you're done. You're done living. You know, right? um, yeah. experiencing and living thing. Yeah, I didn't want to quite go to the living thing, but yes, you're done living if you stop being curious. And, and yeah, that it's definitely a very important mm-hmm. thing. So don't worry about it sounding cheesy. Okay. Damn it, Maggie. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Okay, I have one more question for you before we wrap this up. But before we do that, before I get into that final question, where can people find Maggie Mayfield? On my corner of the internet, um, it's really easy, maggiemayfield.com, and that has links to all my social media, which is all the same, Maggie at Maggie Mayfield, M-A-G-G-I. So I was blessed with a nickname that doesn't make any sense. Thanks, Mom. (laughs) So M-A-G-G-I Mayfield. Okay, MaggieMayfield.com. No E on the Maggie. I know. Just just specifying and clarifying for people. Like, I typed Maggie, M-A-G-G-I-E, and it didn't work. That's because there's no E. I know. All right. I didn't pick it. My mother did that. I wasn't even, I was not even born yet, and she picked that nickname. All right. Sounds sounds (laughs) good. Sounds good. So, blame, if you don't like it, blame Maggie's mom. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I do for everything else. So. Why not, right? <laughs> uh, I'm sure Miss Mayfield is a nice lady. She is. All right. 
So, so just maggiemayfield.com. You can get all her social links there. And final question of the show. We're to that point, Maggie. Okay. It's the title question of the show as well. So, Maggie Mayfield, how do you live uncontained? Ooh, that's good. Um, I stay, I think I said it already, just stay uncontained and I just stay curious. I find a reason to laugh every day and... I, it's in my soul. Like there's no, I don't have any other reason to keep going other than it's in my soul and I just need to get it out. So stay curious, stay laughing and stay humble. All right. Great. Thank you. And I always have my guests sign off the show. Will you do me the honor of signing off the show today, Maggie? Static. This has been so much fun. I can't imagine living life any other way. This is Maggie Mayfield and I live life uncontained. Stay curious, my friends. And that does it for today's show. Thank you for listening, and thank you to Maggie Mayfield for coming on and recording her actual second interview with me because, as you heard in the show, the first episode had technical difficulties where, well, the track only recorded my voice, and I didn't feel that would be as interesting as actually having her on the show, so luckily she agreed to do this show a second time, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Thank you for listening, and please share this episode, rate, review, subscribe, and all that good stuff that you're supposed to do with podcasts to help other people find it. Just share with a friend, and check out Maggie online. Her website is maggiemayfield.com, and yes, remember, it's Maggie with an I and no E, or else you'll end up at some some other site that you don't want to be at near as much as maggiemayfield.com, and check out their podcast, Why Tune Shuffle, on iTunes podbean or wherever podcasts are found thanks again for listening and as always until next time live uncontained